The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. Now Cook's going to throw the deep ball. And Burton's past the defense. Touchdown, Luther Burton. 47 yards. Snare to place. Kick is up. It is... Yes! Oh, walk-off winner from 61. Harrison Venus. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, we are sitting here at 4-0 as a nationally ranked football team looking at a road game against Vanderbilt. Our Missouri Tigers are rocking and rolling and everything's going in the right direction. Tell me why I feel bad. I don't know. I feel pretty good. Yeah. I feel like... Uh, this is, you know, should be, you know, a, a Mizzou victory. I, they, I hope, I honestly hope that, like the 2019 game scares them so much. I mean, like they weren't, these, these kids obviously weren't playing then, but it's a story for the coaching staff to tell me like, Hey, there was a group of guys just like you and they shit the bed. They shit it hard and they shit it long. Don't be them. Well, you've hit it upon why I feel bad, Connie. I don't really feel bad, but I do have the ghost of 2019 haunting me as we go into this matchup, knowing that this is an important win. It's a win that it's easy to look past because we have a big opponent coming up the following week. And we also have shown ourselves capable of shitting our pants in the past. And so 2019 was one of the worst losses in Mizzou football's history. It's no small part why Barry Odom eventually got fired. Going to Vanderbilt can cause teams trouble because they don't expect it. However, this Vanderbilt team is two and three. We're four and zero, oh, and Vanderbilt just hasn't looked good. They have put up points most recently against Kentucky, scoring twenty eight in their loss, giving up forty five. But all reasonable thoughts that come from my brain tell me we are going to win this, and we could win big. But everything that comes from my heart tells me watch out because we could lose this. 
Am I am I wrong in feeling this way, Colin? I think so. Honestly, I good. Vanderbilt's bad. I mean, they're bad. Yeah, yeah. I, they don't run the ball well at all, and they don't play good defense. And they don't. I mean, they have no. As far as I can tell, they have nothing they hang their hat on. This would be every bit as bad as that 2019 loss, certainly. If they shit the bed, they would. They did in 2019. I mean, holy cow! That's I don't know that you, you talk about uh, Drinkowitz spoiling his uh, his dream season here. That would be a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think you're right. I think ultimately we are a better team than we were in 2019. And I think Vanderbilt's a worse team than they were in 2019. And that is good news for our Tigers. I mean, they certainly can't run. I mean, they can't run the ball at all. And it's basically been in a pass exclusive offense for Vanderbilt. And even that isn't great because, you know, no team can successfully pass when they can't run to, to keep defenses honest. So and I think, you know, we have mentioned that our defense, while not the elite defense that we'd hope that they would be yet, they're certainly good enough to handle a team like Vanderbilt. And well, they have started to produce turnovers. And that's a great sign because if they win the turnover battle against a team like Vanderbilt, they almost certainly will win. Well, and Mizzou's a poor matchup for Vanderbilt. Because Blake Baker likes to bring pressure, and all they do is pass. We have the secondary right now to play, you know, heads up one on one if we want to. We obviously know we can play zone, but a lot of times Blake Baker's he brings that pressure. He's leaving our you know safeties and corners on an island, and we, you know, with Rake Straw and Abrams Drain and Carlisle and those guys, he can afford to do that. You take a team like Vanderbilt that's sort of pass heavy, not terribly efficient, and doesn't have anything to be scared of in the run game. I expect Mizzou's defense to pin their ears back and just make life miserable. Now, I think that's spot on, Colin. And I think honestly talking through it makes me feel better. You mentioned that the sort of the trap game bug is somewhat inherent and you can't just will it away. Even if you know it's an important game, it just sort of is like. It's a subconscious thing. It, yeah, it's a subconscious thing. And I think that's right. But this Missouri team is not a team that can afford to take anything or anyone for granted. I mean, they, they started off cold or soft, I guess, you know, like the, the team we were in the first two games of the season is not the team we are now. And whether that's a result of holding things back in the playbook or whether it's a matter of cutting our teeth or honing our skill set, whatever it is, we're better. But we came from a place where we didn't know what this team was going to look like and they didn't know what they were going to look like. So I think that they're not going to take this Vanderbilt team for granted and I don't think they're going to overlook it. Part of what gives me optimism is our secondary against a team that likes to throw a lot but doesn't do it particularly well. And part of it is Luther Burden. I think Luther Burden is a good reminder to me, oh yeah, five-star athletes are special. It's easy to forget how much of a, a difference they can make until you have one in your roster. Luther Burden's a guy that forces you to take bad angles because he just happens to be faster and stronger than 99% of the players you're going to play against. And so how many times players find themselves out of position trying to tackle Luther Burden is probably frustrating for those players. But when you see a bunch of guys run the 40-yard dash, it's tenths of seconds that make those differences. But, you know, when everybody you tackle runs the same 4-7-40, and then you have to run against some, try to tackle somebody that runs the 4-4, those tenths of a second make a huge difference in those angles you take. And Luther Burden does a great job of making guys miss just by simply being better than everybody else, being faster, being stronger. I mean, guys can't arm tackle him. You know, he's the epitome of a five-star athlete. And he really shows out on a team like Mizzou who simply just doesn't get five-star athletes all that often. Well, I think, Colin, you, you, I say this all the time. You have to stop me from saying it. He is him. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, that's a term we've created. <laughs> um, no, it's true. He is a dominant force on our offense, and he makes everybody better because he has to keep defenses honest. And it boils down to what you said earlier, which is we're a bad matchup for Vanderbilt. We th- If we can continue to throw a lot like we have the last two games, they are going to have a lot of trouble with us defensively and I just think that we will be able to shut down the Vanderbilt passing game and I think the Vanderbilt rushing game shuts itself down so if we can avoid turnovers and if we can avoid giving up explosive plays to Vanderbilt then we should be able to put them away fast and effectively yeah I would love to be able to run a simulation of this Mizzou team and season with and without Luther Burton because Luther Burton just doesn't create huge plays for himself, he creates so much uh, opportunity for his fellow wide receivers. Um, you know, they're getting one-on-ones all the time because everybody's paying attention to Luther Burden. And I don't think it's a secret to Mizzou fans, but it may be a secret to other SEC schools. Mizzou's receiving core beyond Luther Burden is pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's starting to show up for sure. Yeah. And so you take the fact that they're already a pretty good receiving core and you give them a guy like Luther Burden who's just going to draw so much attention and be so effective. You know, I'm starting to get a lot of optimism. Too much optimism for a Mizzou fan. You know, I should know better <laughs> yeah. than this. Well, let me ask you this, Colin. The, the line currently, as it sits, is 13 and a half. Mizzou's the favorite. Not saying that you're going to bet on this game, but if you were to bet on this game, would you take the Tigers giving up 13 and a half points against this Vanderbilt team on the road? The only reason I'd be reticent to do that is I feel like our defense takes plays off. Mm-hmm. And at least in, you know, like the, the back half of like the South Dakota game, they started pulling starters out. And so I feel like if Mizzou gets to a point where they can cover that, they're going to start putting in some guys that don't get much playing time. And as a result, maybe that we can't cover that. That well, Mizzou's never been great at covering, so I, I wouldn't bet it. I think I would be safe. I feel like if we're going to win this game, we're going to win big. And I think we are going to win this game. I don't expect this to be a shootout against Vanderbilt. Like I dare I say, I, I came into this episode saying I'm a little nervous, but I really do think we are a team capable of blowing Vanderbilt out on their home field. Keep in mind, Vanderbilt is two and two right now. Their two wins are against Hawaii, Cupcake U. Hawaii, <laughs> and Alabama A and M. They got beat by a Wake Forest team that lost badly to Georgia Tech, which. Ole Miss destroyed, so I know that's a lot of transitive property going on there, but Wake Forest is not a great team, and they destroyed Vanderbilt. UNLV, coached by Barry Odom, beat this team 40-37. to And then, of course, Kentucky had no trouble, really, with Vanderbilt, although all of these teams have allowed Vanderbilt to score points. I mean, Vanderbilt's score total in each of their five games has been 35, 47, 20, 37, and 28. Granted, three of the four teams they've played aren't great, but Kentucky is okay, and they allow 28 points. So Vanderbilt's passing game, we I think maybe we, we can be too dismissive of it. They will be able to throw the ball around a little bit, but we might be the best secondary that they've seen so far. So we need our offense to be the same offense we've seen over the last two games. And really, that may be all we need to see. I think if we our defense just holds court, then we're okay. But if our defense looks good, then yeah, I think I take the 13 and a half and go for it. Yeah, I don't know. I I still wouldn't bet it. I don't trust us to listen. I would love to. See, nothing would make me happy to see this team put his foot on somebody's throat for once. Yeah, but that has not been our mo. So I'm I'm I wouldn't bet it. It's too 
if it was 10, I would, I would take it, but it's not. I just don't, you know, like I said, we don't put people away, at least not yet. Yeah. But that could be the next step for us, you know. We're winning football games, we're throwing the ball well, everything's looking better. And it could be just another check mark in the, uh, in our progression. Like, hey, we didn't just beat Vanderbilt, we actually curb stomped them. Yeah. And that's something we don't usually do. Exactly. It's another, another mark in the box of, hey, we might be a pretty good team. Besides our matchup with Vanderbilt, obviously the all important matchup with Vanderbilt, this is, I feel like, really one of the first weekends where it's a lot of conference play and a lot of games that will start to tell us a little bit more about what these teams we're going to go up against really look like, particularly Kentucky versus Florida. Florida is coming to Kentucky. I don't know what to think of Kentucky because they've had such a soft early schedule. Florida has had a terrible loss and then three wins, including one over Tennessee. You look at South Carolina going to Tennessee, those are two teams that I don't know. We still don't know a ton about. They've both had their ups and downs. So I feel like those two games in particular, because they're Eastern Division games, will start to tell us what our foes are going to look like going forward. Of course, LSU, who we're playing the following week, is going up against Ole Miss. So I, I feel like besides taking care of business in Nashville, we're going to start to learn a little bit about what this, how hard or soft the rest of the schedule is going to look like this week. And it, I'm looking forward to our show this week because once the football is over, I feel like we're going to have a little bit of a roadmap to uh, what's ahead. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's easier once you see those opponents that you're going to see week in and week out start playing each other. It gives you a much better idea what the fuck's going on. Because right now, I don't feel like I really know, especially in Florida. Florida has become an enigma to me. Like, they have looked bad on the couple of occasions I got to watch them. But like you said, they've won three games, one of those against Tennessee. Um, so it's kind of like, well. Completely switching gears here. There's something that's been going on that we haven't had, we haven't really mentioned at all because the football season thus far has been so interesting. Did you know that Rivals has the Missouri recruiting class for 2024, Dennis Gates recruiting class at currently Number two in the nation, just behind North Carolina. I know. Man, I hope they can get – I hope it all pans out. I hope that our friend uh, Dennis Gates will stick around. I mean, there's going to be too many of these recruiting classes before some blue-chip programs start going, hey, Dennis, yeah. how are you doing? <laughs> well, it is something to behold what's going on. I mean, I think he's got four four-star players so far signed for 2024, two guards, a forward, and a center. The names he's pulling in are just like, you know, I think people were like, okay, we had a great sort of surprise Cinderella season last year, but Kobe Brown's gone, right? And if you aren't following what's going on with Dennis Gates and the recruiting trail, you need to start because he's completely shuffling the deck, and it's a new team, and it is – people are talking about it possibly being one of the best Mizzou teams ever to take the hardwood of all time. I mean, that is, seems like a lot of hype for a team that doesn't start for months, but there is a lot of action going on on the basketball front. And Dennis Gates is, for all the talk we've had about Eli Drinkwitz being a good recruiter, Dennis Gates seems to be like phenomenal. We were in the number one recruiting class for a while. North Carolina took back that spot on rivals, but like, holy shit, you know, Mizzou in the top. 15 in recruiting classes is something to talk about. We're number two. Yeah, it's remarkable. He's obviously, I, Mizzou's got some heat right now. I think the football program has heat. I think the basketball program has heat. You know, we've got a couple of five stars. You know, say what you will about Drinkowitz and, you know, Gates has done nothing but, you know, make fans out of Mizzou uh, 
alumni, but we seem to have the recruiting shit going on. You know, I, I don't know if it was by design or what, but they seem to have put an emphasis on recruiting with their coaching hires. I think it's paying off. Mm-hmm. I've said it a million times on these podcasts. It's what, the, you know, the top three things that matter in college sports is recruiting, recruiting, and recruiting. And then everything else comes after that. You know, like the, you got to have the fucking kids who can dunk from the free throw line. You got to have the kids that can, you know, run the four, three, 40 going down the sideline. You got to have the defensive linemen that can blow up plays. If you have those guys, it's not the coaching doesn't matter. It's very, very, very important, but it matters less. Where they're coming from too is interesting because you know that Drinkwitz got a Kansas recruit, a big time Kansas recruit immediately following the Kansas state game. And then the latest recruit from Dennis Gates is this guy, Anor Botang, which sounds like a, a Star Wars character to me, but he's a, a 6'5 shooting guard from Little Rock, Arkansas, and the Arkansas faithful are bitching and moaning and going on Twitter and telling him what a mistake he's made. Number 23 recruit in the country. Every time he lands one, he lands a big fish. I mean, this guy is fucking going for it, Dennis Gates. And so I, rarely are we in a position where we're talking about a nationally ranked football team poised to do big things, looking ahead to the basketball season, licking our chops because they're looking to do big things. I mean, one or the other is usually a good year for the Tigers. The fact that they're both poised for good stuff, I almost, I almost don't know how to feel. It's a strange day. It's strange days, Tiger fans. Brendan, we've talked about it on the show. Like, imagine what the podcast could become yeah. if we were ever good. <laughs> because, you know, we, we, the first year we came out of the gates and we were good at football. And it's been pretty much, uh, it's been lean times ever since. We're 4-0 right now in football. The uh, the basketball team is on an upward trajectory. Imagine a podcast where uh, we get to talk about how good we are, and uh, people want to listen to uh, to us talk about Mizzou sports because Mizzou sport is relevant. Yeah, I get I'm I'm getting my hopes up. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, the great thing about the basketball side of things too for me is that not only has Dennis Gates been recruiting well, but he also seems to know how to coach whenever they actually lace them up and that was the yeah that was yeah. always the ding on drink which is his teams didn't seem to perform up to the talent level but that seems to be changing as well so people talk about it you know us being too negative and here's how you shut us up when you know can do good things all the time we like it you know yeah <laughs> fucking losing to auburn three times in one game that's a good way to get us talking negative but uh, do what you're doing yeah. right now and things it's it's hard to complain as I mentioned, Missouri is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. The game kicks off at 3 p.m. in Nashville on the SEC Network. Colin, can you give us a prediction? What do you think is going to happen in this one? I think we win somewhere like 31-20. to 20. Okay. That's well within your think they'll win, but maybe not cover analysis. I'm going to say 38-24. You know, I, I have been reticent to predict Mizzou to score over 30 points earlier in the season, but they're doing it now. Their offense is going. And if they can't go against a team like Vanderbilt, I would be surprised based on who they played so far and how they have performed. So I think our defense can hold them better than Kentucky was able to do certainly. So uh, yeah, 38, 24, I'm comfortable with that Missouri victory. Lastly, before we head off Colin, if the terrible and unlikely thing were to happen, if Missouri was to be, upset on the road by a Vanderbilt team like they were in 2019. How would you take it? I mean, it'd be devastating. I mean, college college football is a sport you're not allowed to lose, period. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to have the season you want to have, you can't lose. It's not the Vanderbilt. I think the the ideal season for Mizzou would be you beat everybody on your schedule but Georgia. 
you know, that's not necessarily realistic, but it's, it's a lot more realistic than beating everyone. You know, going undefeated isn't really impossible, especially when you got to play the number one team in the nation. But you can't lose to Vanderbilt and uh, even approach that because there's going to be those games. You know, maybe you lose one against Kentucky. Maybe you lose one against Tennessee. Maybe you lose. I mean, it's hard to imagine you beat everybody along the way. You can't afford to lose to teams you know you should beat. Not if you're going to have a special season. And I think things are lining up for Mizzou to have a special season. I think they're a pretty good team. And I think the SEC is kind of down on the whole. There's never been another, t- you know, the iron is hot. Time to strike. It's not going to get better than this, probably, uh, at least not for the foreseeable future, you know, as far as an opportunity. And so I hope the Mizzou players and coaching staff recognize it. I'm sure that they do. It'd be hard not to notice that you're 4-0. It'd be hard not to notice the SEC looks down. And it would be um, be a terrible disappointment. I mean, literally, I the, the season wouldn't be ruined, but it'd be, on, it'd be teetering on ruined. Because if you lose to Vanderbilt, your margin of error becomes so thin. Well, that uh, leads me to my next question, Colin. We entered this season. Eli Drinkwitz was most certainly, I think by almost all accounts, on the hot seat. The way the team has played to this point, the seat has gotten ice cold, right? Like he, we, he, Drinkwitz has turned things around in a way that the hot seat talk has diminished or almost completely gone away. If they were to get upset by Vanderbilt, do you think the hot seat talk returns? No, I don't. I think his recruiting classes are, are, I mean, he just got a contract. I think his recruiting classes are going to keep him protected for a while. You know, unless with, barring a complete collapse, I think after the K State win, you could pretty well see that, you know, Drinkwitz's seat is no longer hot. You know, it's, it's tepid at best. I don't think Renee Francois, you know, wants to get rid of Drinkwitz. I don't think she'd give him a contract if she did. I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's even a, even a conversation anymore unless there's a complete season collapse. The reason I ask, though, is that, you know, he's been going six and six every year. Can't seem to get a winning record. Can't seem to get over the hump. If we lose to Vanderbilt, that starts to put us on a trajectory where we're six and six again or somewhere near it. And I don't know. I think that for all the excitement about the win over Kansas State, for the follow-up against Memphis and the way things have looked, if things start to go south, starting with a loss to Vanderbilt, people's memories are short, man. I just don't know. If we come out of here with a 5-7 and seven or a 6-6 six and six year, I definitely do think the hot seat talk is back. I do, despite the Kansas State win, if it looks like an anomaly. Oh, hot, 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 hot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think recruiting it- – if he, if, with his recruiting and he goes 500, I don't, I wouldn't worry about his job. I'm not saying he shouldn't lose his job. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't worry about it. Well, let's not dwell on that anymore because let's uh, focus on the fact that Missouri is likely to win this game. And when they do, if they do, when they do, they will be five and zero going in to a big game against the LSU Tigers of Baton Rouge, who are up against Ole Miss this weekend. I just look at the LSU game again, overlooking Vanderbilt, assuming we win the game. I look at that LSU game as a a crossroads because if we were able to somehow beat LSU at home, then we are really, really talking about a special season. That's yep. That's a conference ranked opponent win that means more to our conference mates than a Kansas State win. Frankly, people don't care or respect Kansas State in the SEC. They do feel that way about LSU. And if we were able to beat LSU and go 6-0 and to start the season, at that point, we're going to be in a lot of discussions as a really good football team. That is the kind of stakes we're dealing with. And it all starts in Nashville this weekend. 
Yep, I'm in, I'm there, baby. I'm on it. I'm on the train. Well, let's uh, get the train rolling and head out to uh, Nashville on Saturday, 3 p.m. start. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. They shit the bed. They shit it hard, and they shit it long. <laughs>